0: Three Yamaraja instructs his messengers. Text twenty two Eta Evalo Caseman, Etavan Evalo Caseman, whom some karma parasmita. nat dibi karma karma adi bhakti yoga Pagavati, bhakti yoga Bhagavati Tannama Ghranadi Tannama Ghranadi Tannama Ghranadi e Eva um samdharmaparasmitar. Um samdharmaparasmitar. yoga bhagavati yoga bhagavati this much, eva, eva, indeed, indeed. loge asmin, in this material world, Pumsam, of, of the living entities, dharma, dharma. the religious principles, principles. para, transcendental, Smita, recognized, Bhukti yoga Bhakti yoga, yoga, yoga or devotional service. Or devotional service. Bhagavati, Bhagavati to, the Godhead, to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Not to the demagogues. Not to the demagogues. Thak Thak is, is Nama, Nama of the Holy Name. The Holy Name Grahana Adiv. Beginning with chanting. Beginning with chanting. Translation. Yamaraja speaking, instructing his messengers, the Yama Devotional service, beginning with the chanting of the holy name of the Lord, is the ultimate religious principle for the living entity in human society. Purple. As stated in the previous verse, Dharma Bhagavatam. Real religious principles are Bhagavad-dharma, the principles described in Srimad-Bhagavatam itself, or in Bhagavad-gita, the preliminary study of the Bhagavatam. What are these principles? The Bhagavatam says, Dharma, Projita, Gaitavodra. In Srimad-Bhagavatam, there are no cheating religious systems. Everything in the Bhagavatam is directly connected with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Bhagavatam further says, Savai sam, The Supreme Religion is that which teaches its followers how to love the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is beyond the reach of experimental knowledge. Such a religious system begins with, the namagana, chanting of the Holy Name of the Lord. After chanting the Holy Name of the Lord and dancing in ecstasy, one gradually sees the form of the Lord, the pastimes of the Lord, and the transcendental qualities of the Lord. This way, one fully understands the situation of the personality of Godhead. One can come to this understanding of the Lord, how He descends into the material world, how He takes His births, and what activities He performs. But one can know this only by executing devotional service. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, Bhakchama Abhijanati, simply by devotional service, one can understand everything about the Supreme Lord. If one fortunately understands the Supreme Lord in this way, the result is after giving up his material body, he no longer has to take birth in the material world. Instead, he returns home back to Godhead. That is the ultimate perfection. Therefore, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Malupecha-punajanma-dukalayam-asasputam mahat manat sam siddhim After attaining me, the great souls who are yogis in devotion never return to this temporary world which is full of miseries because they have attained the highest perfection. Translation again, devotional service, beginning with the chanting of the Holy Name of the Lord, is the ultimate religious principle for the living entity in human society. Om againa at Timurandasya, Gandhanjana, Salagaya, Chakshun Militang Yena, Tazmai, Sri Guru Venamah, Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nitananda, Sri Adwaita, Ganadhar, Sri Vasini, Golbakta Vindhya, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama, Rama Hare Hare. Last week we spoke about the conversation between the Yamaduttas and Yamaraja, their boss. And we spoke about how the Yamaduttas were angry and humiliated, so much so that they were even a bit feisty and disrespectful to Yamaraja. We spoke about the confusion the Yamadutas had. We thought you were the ultimate. Do you mean to tell us that there are conflicting ishwars, conflicting controllers? If that's the case, there are going to be different judgments that contradict one another. What is going on? So, their psychology was a mixture of humiliation and anger. The humiliation was to such an extent that they were thinking to commit suicide. Our life is worthless. What's the point? (laughs) We're carrying out the order of Yamaraj. That order has been thwarted. This has never happened before. Now you're in the midst, or nearing the end, of Yamaraj's instruction to them to clear up the situation. And, I can tell you in advance, the Yamaduktas will be satisfied. And Yamaraj gives them a warning. Don't come near devotees. I want you to be fearful every time you see a devotee. And if you don't take my instructions seriously about this, you'll be subject to being smashed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Narayana, with his club and his disc, he will sort you out. Therefore, I highly recommend (laughs) <laughs> you be more careful in the future. He said, All right, this time you're excused because you didn't know. But that excuse won't work in the future. Moreover, I, as your, as your boss, I'll pray to the Supreme Personality of Godhead so that you'll be forgiven and I'll be forgiven also because Yamaraj is saying that Yamaraj takes responsibility, he has to take responsibility for what his servitors do. So, Yamaraj is explaining what's what's happened and why. The Yamadutas, referring again to their psychology, are really angry at the Vishnu Dutas. And more than an explanation of Bhagavad Dharma, the Yama Dutas want to know, who are those people? <laughs> They're really pushing Amaraja. We're going to describe them. They're beautiful. They have four arms. <laughs> They're so pleasing to the eye. But they've disrupted... Our mission. they just—they destru- stop what is so obviously the right thing to do. So please keep that in mind. More than anything, the Yamadutas want to know who are those Vishnu Judas. They wanted to know so much. They were so intense about wanting to know that uh, the Acharyas explained. The young arts told them, look, look, they've already gone back to their master. <laughs> I, I can't subpoena them. I can't haul them in. <laughs> they've already gone back to, to Vaikutanam. <laughs> so, please focus on this. How the young want to know, who are those Vishnu dutas? We'd also like to know about the Vishnu dutas. Because they're always helping devotees whenever there is some impediment obstructing a devotee's service, the Vishnu Duttas are actually helping out for someone who is a sincere, dear devotee. And in his purports, Shiva Prabhupada reveals that those devotees who are trying to spread the Krishna consciousness, lifestyle and knowledge and perfection. So they're also in the category of Vishnu (laughs) dutas. Of course, someone doing the humble service of trying to reconnect others to Krishna never thinks that he or she is great or special. But looked at from an objective point of view, such persons are following in the footsteps of the Vishnu Duttas according to their capacity, according to their degree of purity. What particularly irked the Yamadutas about the Vishnu Duttas? I mean, the Yamadutas were upset about the whole Vishnu Dutta package. <laughs> But there was one characteristic, one trait that especially disturbed the Yamadutas. They told Yamaraj, when those extraordinarily beautiful beings arrived, as we were yanking the soul of Ajamil from his body, with our special ropes, Yamadutas, you know, our, the fiercest looking creatures, and they carry ropes made of subtle material energy to drag the conditioned soul toward the hellish planets. These hellish planets are also described in the word for words as torture places in case you want to know. <laughs> so these hideous-looking creatures, as we explained maybe a month or two ago here, these hideous-looking creatures literally scare you to death. You can't imagine the shock, the fright. So what upset the Yamadudas the most about the Vishnu was that the Vishnu Dutas told Ajahn Do not fear! And fear is the Yamadutta's main program. (laughs) (laughs) So you can understand that when the Vishnu Dutas... First of all, they look so beautiful. They're from another world, of course. They're from Vaiputta. Not only their looks, but they they told Ajahn don't fear. What is material life without fear? If there's no fear, then you have no material life. And the the Yamaduktas are certainly the culmination of a sinful materialistic life. Let's look at how to categorize human society, which is not easy to understand These days, because what we consider a human civilization is, from the Vedic viewpoint, considered animal society. Human civilization, according to the Vedic guidelines, begins with Varnashram Dharma, which is Krishna's material system for organizing human society. Below Barajan Dharma, you simply have human beings acting like animals. And that's, unfortunately, what you have today. Unregulation. No behavioral codes. Everything is just up to you and how your senses feel at the moment. This is not human life. Human life begins with performing activities according to guidelines, regulations. A human being is aware of at least good karma, bad karma. And then Upon being frustrated, as any intelligent person must, upon becoming frustrated with the path of karmic activity, the human being then begins to speculate, using his or her intelligence, there must be an all-pervading spiritual energy. What's the use of all these transitory material activities? You work so hard and the result is always bitter. There's just a momentary happiness imagined that comes along with material activities. There must be something above this. So you go to the next level of human civilization, which is to become a cany. to think about and meditate upon the impersonal Brahman, which, as Lord Brahma himself explains, is simply the effulgence of Krishna's body. Higher than that are the yogis, the mystic yogis, who understand there is the super soul in everyone's heart. But the ultimate position in the material world is that of the (laughs) Bhakta. So it's always good to hear this classification because we don't have human society today. If you're wondering what is affecting you so much, it is a lack of humanity. Now, last week we spoke about Yamaraja's jurisdiction. The Yamadutas, remember, were mistakenly thinking that Yam- Yamaraja was in charge of everyone. But actually, as Yamaraja explains himself in terms of being an Ishwar, he's kind of a small timer. He's one of the twelve authorities in devotional service, but that's something else. He's one of the Mahajans, but in terms of his control in the material world, comparatively is quite limited. He's not in charge of all living entities. He's only in charge of human beings who have the capacity to understand what is right and what is wrong. And of those, Yamaraj is only in charge of the sinful human beings. He's not in charge of the animals. He's not in charge of savages who have no consciousness of what is right, what is wrong. He's in charge of human beings that have some kind of capacity for rational understanding. This is correct, this is not correct. And if they are sinful, they belong to Yamaraja for judgment. Once we understand where we're at, what is the situation that we're living in? And our situation is very important. You see in the verse, etavan eva loke smen. Loke asmin. In this material world, we have to understand our location and what that location entails. Just like in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, malayin vamsho jiva loke. Jiva loka. What is the nature of being in this land, in this loka, this realm of the, of the jiva? It means the jiva is conditioned. Krishna says, mamayam, you're eternally my part, but you've forgotten that amidst your priorities and your how you live in jiva loka. And, what is the symptom of your disease? Manasasthanindriyani prakriti stani karshati You're struggling in your conditioned life with the five senses and the mind. And it's a hard struggle. Prakriti stani karshati because you're stuck in the oppressive material atmosphere. And part of that oppression is fear. So, as we were saying before, without fear, you have no material life. Just think how your fear begins. Yeah. It's so omnipresent that you may forget about it. First of all, you're fearful for your own body because of bodily attachment. My body can fail me at any moment. You're just having a walk in the neighborhood here, what does it take for a car to just lose control and ram you on the sidewalk, on the pavement? But we kind of expect everything will be orderly. But part of that order in jiva-loka is birth, death, disease, and old age. And we're fearful about that. Therefore, we're always trying to distract ourselves from fear. Or we think fear is normal. So we're fearful for our own body. Whatever you think of governmental regulations, people are fearful, so they're most of them are wearing masks. But if whether masked or not masked, fear is always there, either for this or that. (laughs) You can blame whoever you like, this government, that government, this regulation, that regulation, but you won't get rid of fear, (laughs) because fear is built into material existence. (laughs) If you want to get more technical about it, you remember the Bhagavatam verse, how fear is there because we consider matter, which is ordinarily secondary, we consider that to be primary. Our primary commitment is to matter in the form of bodies, possessions, You can count all the ways that fear dominates your life. Economic fears. Fears of your workplace supervisor. Fears what will happen to your family. Fears what will happen to the housing market. What will happen with my investment properties. Fear, what will the future bring? Will there be world war? Will there be social disturbances? What will happen to the money? What will happen to my health care? Every step of the way we see this fear. Therefore, the Vishnu Dutas telling Ajambil, Do not fear! And Ajamil's in the clutches are the most fearful creatures. The, the other Dutas couldn't handle this. These Vishnu Dutas have disrupted the most essential program of material life, which is fear. And they're telling Ajambil, Don't fear. So we want to know who they are. We recognize they're extraordinarily beautiful. They're from out of this world. Wherever they come from, it's not the material world. But they've disrupted our program, which is given to us by you, Yamaraja. So Yamaraja has been lecturing them about Bhagavad-Dharma and why Ajahnmila is exempt and so, therefore,
1: he says in today's
0: verse, Pumsam Devotional service begins with chanting of the Holy Name of the Lord. And devotional service is the ultimate religious principle for someone in human society. Yamaraj is explaining to you why, even though a John Neale chanted, not consciously referring to the Supreme Personality God in Narayana, but referring to his son, why I mean, look, despite his simple life, was ex- was exempt. exempt from the younger dutas. You all know the circumstances of Ajahn chanting. It was not attentive but somehow or other because he chanted the name of Narayana at the time of death and he wasn't doing it to counteract sinful activities. <clears throat> the Vishnu Dutas came. So in explaining this, in the second chapter of this canto, you find a verse that if this could happen to a Jamila who haphazardly chanted the Holy Name at the time of death, what do you think will be the result for those who spend their life chanting with attention? So you shouldn't take a Jamil's situation what happened to him as encouragement to be materialistic all your life and then, hey, just like a Ajahnya at the last moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a particularly Kali Yuga way of looking at the situation. The real purport of the situation is to increase your attachment for Krishna. You should think if Ajahnil got that by haphazardly chanting at the time of death, what will be my result for a lifetime of chanting? You see, it's a completely different way of thinking. But because we're us, we think, well, uh, <laughs> I can just spoil my whole life, but I named my kid Ramdas or... <laughs> Krishna Dev at the last minute <laughs> out of affection for my child I'll oh randas <laughs> and then I die and I, I go to a yoga and the in Baikunda. <laughs> what a deal. This is a particularly <laughs> depraved way of looking at the situation. It's not what <laughs> the history of a job meal is. It's not meant to inspire you in that way. The proper way, as we said, the proper result, the proper what we should take away is that I'm so fortunate to be every day chanting Hare Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If that happened to a John Mill who haphazardly chanted, what will what will, what will Lord his mercy upon me be? <laughs> in other words, We take impetus to increase our attachment to our daily chanting. And this history is inspiring for the prema-bhaktis also, those who have actually attained prema. Oh, how glorious is the holy name of Krishna. They feel more love. Sometimes there's a phenomenon I hear being discussed by devotees called spiritual bypassing. That you use your spiritual practices as an excuse not to take care of your psychological traumas, your anxieties, stemming from the past. We have to be very careful about this labeling of spiritual bypassing. Because it is true that chanting Hare Krishna solves all problems. The question though is what is the intensity of my chanting? So we don't want to minimize while questioning devotees against ignoring their psychological health, we don't want to risk minimizing the glories of the Holy Name. That's an offense to the Holy Name. To consider the glories of the Holy Name to be an exaggeration. The history of a job is not an exaggeration. Simply by chanting Hare Krishna you attain the solution to all problems. But we have to ask ourselves, am I taking the medicine with sufficient care, with sufficient attentiveness? And so therefore, sometimes psychological, supportive or remedial help is needed, because in today's Kali Yuga, people are so traumatized, so just coming from backgrounds of confusion, whether swept under the rug or not. And so, they have to be honest. Chanting Hare Krishna does solve all problems, It will clear up my psychological complexities. But am I chanting with that kind of focus? So yes, this so-called spiritual bypassing is something we have to be careful about from different angles of vision. We don't want to neglect any Psychological complexities we have. We don't want to neglect getting help and counseling for that. Because, well, anyway, I'm just chanting Hare Krishna, so... Remember, the question then is, how is your chanting? What is the quality of your chanting? I remember a devotee asking Prabhupada because during my BBT service days, I was... Had the service of filing Prabhupada's correspondence, both to him and from him. So I saw one devotee ask Prabhupada, "Well, the shastra says that prasad is transcendental, no matter what situation. Whether the shastra says whether the prasad is in an apparently rotten state or uh, thrown out as garbage, it's still transcendental." <laughs> So therefore we should be eating prasad that's from any kind of circumstance. Rotten or garbage, whatever. So Prabhupada replied, It is true that Prasad is transcendental in all circumstances. But are you transcendental in all circumstances? He said, unless you're pure devotee, Krishna may not agree to help you digest. (laughs) So we have to be practical. But we don't want this concept of spiritual bypassing. Yes, you devotees are all chanting Hare Krishna, but... You know, it's not enough. you got to do something about your psychological situation. Uh, You have to be careful, because chanting Hare Krishna is enough. But the problem is, as I said, have we sufficiently availed ourselves of that cure-all, that ultimate tonic? The last thing we want is to minimize the glories of the Holy Name. And this Ajahn history is very important in teaching us that. Remember the situation of Haridas Takur? He was invited to a meeting at the house of the father and uncle of Das Daskasam, the future of Das They were very wealthy householders and very learned also. Do you understand? They had the money and they had Shastri knowledge too. <laughs> so a dear devotee of Haridastakur, Balaramacharya. Appeal to Haridastakur. We're having a discussion group at the house of the Haranya and Govardhan, the relatives of Raghunath Das. Can you please come? And the assembly was very learned. Brahmanas, pundits. As soon as Haridas Thakur entered, everyone began to glorify him. Kaviraj Goswami says they began to glorify Haridastakur as if they had five mouths. Upon glorifying Haridas Thakur, they began to discuss the glories of the Holy Name. What a wonderful way to have a household gathering. Huh? <laughs> what a wonderful topic. And so they began to consider their two effects from chanting Hare Krishna that were presented. Someone said chanting Hare Krishna terminates all sinful reactions. Another said chanting Hare Krishna gives you liberation from material existence. They were going on like this. And then Haridas Thakur intervened. He said, what you're talking about is just a supplementary effect of chanting Hare Krishna. It is not the main effect. In other words, it is true that chanting Hare Krishna properly Terminates all sinful reactions and gives you liberation from material existence. But the main purpose that Hare pointed out of chanting Hare Krishna, the main purpose is to develop love for the lotus feet of Krishna. <laughs> so he explained that just think about when the sun rises, when the first rays of the sun appear at dawn. That's enough to send all the thieves and ghosts and rogues into hiding. Just the first rays of the sun appearing at dawn. Similarly, the first rays in your life of offense-free chanting, just the first rays, just a glimpse, finishes off all your sinful activities and gives you liberation. But the main effect of Chanihani Krishna is love of Krishna. So there was one very handsome and intelligent learned person in the audience. He had all material opulences, beauty, learning, youth, and he was incensed to hear Liberation, he said. Do you realize? He stood up and challenged the assembly, and particularly challenged Haridasa Tapur. Do you know how the greatest sadhus, the greatest yogis, spend millions of births trying to get, become liberated? trying for absolute knowledge, knowledge of Brahman, and they may not get it after millions of births. And you're telling me that just by a slight appearance of a free chanting of Hare Krishna, you can be liberated? Ha! He couldn't handle it. He couldn't accept it. He made the situation even worse. He challenged Haridas Thakur, if what you're saying is not true, that liberation is easily achieved by chanting Hare Krishna, then I'm going to cut off your nose. And Haridas Thakur calmly replied that if what I say is not true, that liberation is an easy byproduct, supplementary result of Hare Krishna, if that's not true, may my own nose fall off. So the whole assembly was horrified that Haridas Thakur in their presence had been insulted like this. So please try to understand the central dynamics of this situation. Not only doubting the glories of the Holy Name, but actually attacking the glories of the Holy Name and attacking the person who authoritatively presented the glories of the Holy Name. This offender, Gopal Chakravarti. He was evidently learned, although his occupation was a tax collector. <laughs> you can see the class divisions of Vaughn Dharma are breaking down, even during the time of Mahaprabhu, we we'll speak speaking now. This Gopal Chakravarti, handsome and intelligent and learned, was a brahmana, but his occupation was a tax collector. So you see the confusion creeping in. <laughs> the confusion in social roles and social classification. So, for him, liberation from material existence is, is the supreme destination. And he couldn't bear to hear that it's easily attained as a byproduct of chanting Hare Krishna. It's not the main focus. He couldn't bear to hear that. Remember the verse by Bilva Mangala Tapguru who said that since I've absorbed myself in Krishna bhakti, I am absorbed in an ocean of Ananda, ocean of bliss. Compared to which, the so-called happiness of liberation is just like a drop. So we've heard that verse. How many of you have heard that? Raise your hands. Oh, no one? Raise higher, let me see. Okay, one or two. You may read it and just think nothing of it. But let's meditate on the depth of that verse. There's the ocean, and then there's a tiny puddle or a drop. (laughs) Gopal Chakrani couldn't get this. He was seeing the glories of chanting Hare Krishna and the glories of devotional service as just some kind of sentiment when compared to the real standard, which is liberation. So he had the nerve to offend Thakur. and the whole audience was horrified. They dismissed Gopal Chakravarti from the assembly, get out of here and they fell at the feet of Thakur begging forgiveness for witnessing such an offense. But Thakur was very calm, and he replied that this ignorant young man is just a victim of speculation. He doesn't understand the glories of the holy name because he lacks devotional service. Therefore, he considers chanting of the holy name to be like some kind of karmic activity. Some people are building hospitals, some people are digging wells, some people are caring for the sick, and some people are chanting Hare Krishna. It's all punya, pious activity. This is offense. Of course, you know what happened in three days. Three days after this, the offender, Gopal Chakravarti, contracted leprosy and his nose fell off. And all his fingers and toes fell off, affected by leprosy. So, Krishna's Kavaraj Goswami instructs us that Haridastakur did not take offense but the Supreme Personality Godhead cannot tolerate his devotees being offended. Now, do you think hardash Tako had some kind of vengeful and rejoicing attitude? <laughs> he got what was coming to him. No, he was unhappy. So much so that he left that village and went to Shantipur to visit Advaita Acharya, whose appearance day is when? All right. So we learn so much about the proper qualities of a devotee from Haridas <laughs> Religion is not a tool for vengeance. It's not a tool for rejoicing when your enemies are destroyed. What's another example of someone, someone's not appreciating or minimizing or not even acknowledging in the slightest degree the, how the Hare Krishna mantra is always in the transcendental position? Mahabrabhu is in Varanasi. And he's associating with Tapan Mishra and Chandrasekhar. And he's been giving instruction to Sanatan Goswami. Tapan Mishra and Chandrasekhar have a problem. They appeal to Mahabrabhu. We can't handle hearing the blasphemy about you because Varanasi is a Mayavadi town, Mayavadi chakra. <laughs> and it's, it was loaded with Mayavadi sannyasis. Practically speaking, Mahaprabhu was the only Vaishnava sannyasi in the whole place. And so, the Mayavadi sannyasis were constantly deriving Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu And so his followers couldn't handle this. So Prabhupada explains that it was an expression of the devotees' love that they complained to Mahaprabhu. We can't handle this. They're offending you so much. We can't defeat them. So we're thinking to end our life. Please do something. Mahaprabhu simply slightly smiled, that's all. But by his omniscience and his omnipotence, he arranged, he orchestrated for a brahmana to come to him and invite him to a meeting of all the sannyasis in Varanasi at his home. He knew Mahaprabhu never Takes lunch with Mayavadis. He doesn't associate with them. We all know that. But still he came to make a special appeal. This was all orchestrated by Sri Taitanya Mahabrabhu to relieve his dear devotees like Tapan Mishra Chandrasheka from having to hear such offenses. Mahabrabhu didn't mind, but these devotees couldn't handle it. One interesting detail is that Mishra and Chandrasekhar are referred to as Kanishta Adhikaris, third-class devotees, because they couldn't defeat the Mayavadis. Now, just bear in mind, these are, they're part of Mahaprabhu's entourage. So they're acting in this way. <laughs> so Prabhupada seizes the opportunity to teach us that you need to know what your mission is, you need to understand how to deal philosophically with others. But Tapa and Chandrasekha, they didn't know enough, evidently. They were in, the, in this Leela, they're acting in this way. So therefore, they said, We can't go away. That's one of the three options when you hear blasphemy. Go away. We can't cut out the blasphemer's tongue. We can't do that. <laughs> and we can't defeat them. So, therefore, they appeal to Mahaprabhu can you please help us? This is their outpouring of love. It's not a sectarian motivation, it's out of love for Shri Chaitanya Mahabrabhu, whom they know is Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So we discussed what Mahabrabhu arranged to happen. He was invited to a meeting, a lunch meeting, at where all kinds of mayavadi sannyasis would be present, something he would never do, but he agreed just to please his devotees and relieve them of their predicament. So when he came to the Mayavadi gathering, they were so imp- more than impressed, they were astonished by Mahaprabhu's effulgence and his humility. So they per- prakash on this went right to the point. You're obviously so sublime. You're obviously so great. Your effulgence. Here we are thinking we are Narayan and you're demonstrating the effulgence of Narayan. <laughs> so we're thinking, we're intellectually constructing ourselves as as God and and we're looking at you and we're seeing such an effulgence that can only be from Narayan, the Narayan we all think we are. <laughs> but why do you associate with fanatics? Why are you so sentimental, chanting and dancing in the assembly of fanatics? Why are you such an emotional devotee, neglecting the proper duties of a sannyasi, which, as they saw it, was meditation on Brahman and reading Vedanta Sutra? (laughs) Why have you deviated from this? So there was no way that Prakash had any conception of the value of chanting Hare Krishna. So we have to be careful. We don't want to be in that boat of minimizing, neglecting the glories of chanting Hare Krishna, which do solve all problems. So Mahaprabhu then gave them a lecture on The value of chanting Hare Krishna. Such an ocean of mercy. He's explaining this to Mayavadis. This is the glory of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Be careful because one of the offenses to the Holy Name is explaining the glories of the Holy Name to those who have no capacity to grasp it. But Mahaprabhu is Mahaprabhu. (laughs) And he had already softened them up, so to speak. With a bit of mystic power. And after all, he's Yogisra, he's Krishna. So he showed an out-of-this-world effulgence. <laughs> Prabhupada writes from the purport that sometimes saintly persons do resort to a bit of mystic power when they're dealing with unintelligent people. <laughs> but he said the real mark of a saintly person is the spiritual sound vibration. So, Mahaprabhu explained how simply by chanting Hare Krishna you can obtain freedom from material existence. Simply by chanting Hare Krishna, you're re established in your love of Krishna. And Yamaraj is doing the same thing with the Yamadutas Bhakti Yoga Bhagavati Tanama Grahanadibi. Devotional service begins with the chanting of the Holy Name of the Lord. So this is our mainstay. And it does solve all problems. It may take us some time to realize that all our problems have been solved by chanting Hare Krishna. As Bhakti Thakur says, in all the 14 planetary systems, there's nothing more to be had than chanting Krishna. So our spiritual journey is a voyage of realizing this point, that all I have is chanting Hare Krishna. There's nothing more of true value. So some of us get to that point sooner, some later. But that is the destination. Simply by chanting Hare Krishna we can associate with the lotus feet of Krishna. All right, any questions? Yes? How do we find out, she asked, about quality of the Jain. I'm staying at the house of Bhagavad Gita and Sevan Devi, and I study their children. <laughs> and I see the four-year-old Kana. He just, he was playing with some balloons And then the balloon popped, and he was shocked. He just, for a moment, he just... (laughs) (laughs) Because it was a loud pop, and he just... And then he started, (laughs) and he ran to his mother. (laughs) And she was sitting on the floor. She, She pulled him to her on her lap. And she began like, rubbing his whole body. And he was uh, completely peaceful. So I was thinking, I want to surrender to Krishna like that. <laughs> I want to chant Hare Krishna with that kind of conviction. Little Kanai had no doubt. I run to mother, I've heard this sound. Pop! I've never heard it in my life, in my whole life. Long life for four years. (laughs) I've never heard, what is it? He couldn't calculate. He didn't know what it is. (laughs) But So run to mother. She'll solve everything. Running to mother will solve all problems. (laughs) He had no cynicism, no doubts. (laughs) No skepticism. So I was thinking, watching him, yes, I want to take shelter of Krishna in this way. Just like a child takes shelter of mother. Complete confidence. Mother's laugh will solve all problems. I'm on my mother's lap. Did you used to do that? Not now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? So my point is, that's quality. Yes, way in the back. You're, this is going to be difficult. Do I want to talk? I have given references to his commentaries. When I say the Acharya, say this or that. It's Vishwanath Chakur and generally most of the time. Also Jiva Goswami and Sanatan Goswami. Anything else? Yes? We all talk about surrender and being servant to Lord Krishna, but how do you realize that? It's happening. You all talk about surrender to Lord Krishna, how do you realize that? That's why we need Shastra, the Sadhus, and the spiritual master. Otherwise, we can concoct. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in speaking to the Mayavadis, Sannyasis, and Varanasi, he said, I started chanting Hare Krishna according to the order of my guru who told me I'm a fool and I should just chant Hare Krishna. So I did it. And then I didn't know what happened to me. I was chanting and dancing like like a mad person. So I couldn't figure it out. What's going on? So I went to my spiritual master and I presented to him this is what's happening to me when I chant Hare Krishna." And my Guru Dave was so happy to hear that. He said, this is the effect of chanting Hare Krishna. You're developing love of Krishna. So his spiritual master, Ishwarapuri, was like a parent seeing the child progress. So we take our situation to higher authority for verification. Bhakti is all about guidance. It's a culture of guidance. There are the senior Vaishnavas, there's the Shastra, and there's our spiritual master. He says, open our mouth and ask. All right? Yes. Um, um, thank you so much for your beautiful class. The thing is that you explained about the trans-mural prashadam and the, uh, it's rotten or it's healthy it's trans-mural prashadam. Is. So how uh, people can differentiate when they're trans-mural, they are trans they do not see the prasadam it's spoiled or it's good. Other people, they can see the difference. You can't imitate the greatest personalities, although the transcendental reality is also is always transcendental. Can you say, "Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu walked through the Jatikund forest and made all the tigers and fierce animals embrace one another and dance"? So I'll also walk alone in Jatikund forest. <laughs> it is a fact what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did, but. What level are we on? That's why, again, we need the guidance of the spiritual master, the sadhus, and the shastra. You have to know where you're at. Otherwise, someone will accuse you of spiritual bypassing. You're eating rotten prasad thinking you're so transcendental. Yes, the prasad is transcendental, but are you transcendental? That is an appropriate analysis, but let us not forget, prasad is transcendental, the holy name is transcendental. It's just, where are we at? That's the point. So we don't want to minimize the glories of prasad, the glories of the holy name. <laughs> Thank you, so much. Thank you, so much Yes. You said religion is not a tool for vengeance. Yes. Can you explain because people don't want to identify anymore as a religious person? They are because of this point? That's one reason that people don't want to. They say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Because they have this idea of, first of all, they don't know what it is to be spiritual. And secondly, they have this idea of religion due to abuse of religion. So much havoc caused in the name of religion. Using religion as a tool for harming others because they don't believe the way you believe. (laughs) So people see that and they say, oh, that's what religion is. Forget it. You would think that Haridas Thakur would have some quiet satisfaction. Gopal Chakrabari Gama was coming to him. <laughs> you would think that. Just not outright and so forcefully expressed, but some quiet satisfaction. But no. He was unhappy. All this commotion, all oh, now someone is deathly ill and he just left town. Uh, so I noted that Kabiraj Goswami explains that Haridasta Kurova is unhappy. No feeling of vengeance. Ha <laughs> The non-devotee is smashed. <laughs> it takes some consideration. Now Haridasa Kurova is not a he's transcendental to all Varnashram. But then again you look at Arjuna, who fought with all the power he had. He's more than a Chatria. Arjuna is a devotee of Krishna and he's following the order of Krishna. But even still, at the end of the battle of Kukshetra, what was the result? Yudhisthira is now king. And what is his rea- what is his response, you see, in the first canon of All this killing just because of me, to make me king. I'll never get to the end of the sinful reactions for what has happened. Oh, so many women without... Husband, so many children without fathers, all because of me. Now, do you remember the injustices done to the Pandavas? <laughs> and yet, Yudhisthira is responding in that way, and he's a chaturya. Oh. Even Krishna couldn't pacify Yudhisthira. Yudhisthira didn't want to sit on the throne. So, Krishna and the whole group of Pandavas went to see Dev. The whole purpose was that Dev would convince Yudhisthira. So this is Vaishna. Now let's smash the others and rejoice. <coughs> Perhaps Bhaktadas can say more about this. He said... So... <laughs> yes... Question, how old are you? <laughs> She's asking, what is the difference between imitation and following in the footsteps of the previous Acharyas? So I asked her, well, how old are you? Ten. Ten. So you think about these things. <laughs> huh? You think about these things? <laughs> well, you must think about it to ask such a question. <laughs> So I was explaining about chanting Hare Krishna, how it does solve all problems. But we have to consider what is the quality of our chanting. Not that we mumble our japa and then we have some inner psychological problem. Of course, psychological problems are not inner in the ultimate sense, as the soul is. But still, I've got some turmoil and I've been chanting. Obviously, the chanting is not enough. We have to consider the quality of our chanting. That was my point. And recognize that because I'm not on the level of sufficient quality in chanting, I may have to pursue some remedial help, some supplementary material help. Otherwise, imitating, as you pointed out, imitating is, well, Haridash just chant it. I'll just chant, even though I'm just mumbling my rounds throughout the day, and while I'm on Facebook, I chant. And <laughs> you understand all that? Very good. Any last question? (laughs) Yes. Yamaraj not only told the Yamadutas, be fearful of devotees, he said, don't go near them. <laughs> but we need to be near devotees. And we should pray for the ability to associate with devotees in a spiritual way. As I often explain, associating with devotees is not a material skill, a social skill. It's divine empowerment. And we should beg for that divine ability. You can't learn it from any mundane source because the whole reality of devotee association is actually not mundane. It's something, it's a gift given by Krishna. Sometimes devotees don't think the way we think, and they don't do things the way we do things, right? (laughs) But still, they are a transcendental gift. And even though there may be disagreement how to serve Krishna best, the whole point of devotee association is to serve Krishna. That kind of association we always want And we pray for the ability to flourish in that association. And that ability is not mundane. All right. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.